وأقول في القرآن ما جاءت به آياته فهو الكريم المنزل وأقول قال الله جل جلاله والمصطفى الهادي ولا أتأول الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We begin with the praise of Allah and we ask Allah to exalt the mention and grant peace to our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to his family and his companions. We're speaking about the obligations of the parents towards their children and the rights of the children over their parents. And we came to this huge topic of tarbiyah this topic which relates to tarbiyah, nurturing and educating and teaching and preparing your children for their life which is to come. Both the life as it relates to religion and the life as it relates to their worldly life in the light of Islam. In the light of Islam. And this topic of tarbiyah, as we said, there are beautiful examples. And we mentioned the example of Luqman with his son. We brought out some of the benefits that are found within the ayat that deal with the advice of Luqman to his son. And now, insha'Allah ta'ala, we're going to look at an example of the tarbiyah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam towards Abdullah ibn Abbas. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah was a young boy when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was alive. And the Prophet ﷺ used to give the children a lot of attention. And particularly, he used to give attention to Abdullah ibn Abbas because of the closeness. They were closely related to one another because of the love that he had for Abdullah ibn Abbas and because of the fact that he saw in Abdullah ibn Abbas that knowledge and wisdom that was far beyond his age, even though he was very young at the time the Prophet ﷺ was alive. And we have a hadith in which Abdullah ibn Abbas narrates the advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave to him. And this is full of benefits and points relating to al-tarbiyah al-Islamiyyah, tarbiyah, Islamic nurturing and raising up of children and educating them. So the hadith an Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma annahu qal, kuntu khalfa Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawma. He said, I was behind the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam one day. And this is from the, the habit of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he used to, people used to ride, used to ride uh, radif and he with, with someone on the back and we have the the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the, the well-known hadith in which he mentions this, that he was behind the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on a riding animal. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to share his riding animal. That's from the humility of the Prophet Sallallahu that he would share his riding animal and he used to give attention to the young boys and the young children and give attention to advising them and nurturing them. And ultimately, look at the benefit that that had as it relates to Abdullah ibn Abbas. That Abdullah ibn Abbas became one of the great scholars of Islam. He became one of the most knowledgeable among the Sahaba in the tafsir of the Qur'an, in matters relating to fiqh and hadith, radiallahu anhu arda, 
And the Prophet invested in him when he was just a small young boy. And that shows you the value of tarbiyah, really, doesn't it? That you have a very young boy, a very young child, a young boy or a young girl, and you put that effort in and you put that, you give them that time and attention in order that you reap the fruits and the benefits of that much, much later on. And it's even narrated with regard to Abdullah ibn Abbas that some of the, he had a friend from among the Ansar and his friend from among the Ansar kind of used to make a little bit of fun, you know, as to why he was so studious and why he was, and, you know, the friend would say, we have among us people like Abu Bakr and Umar. We have from the major Sahaba. You know, nobody needs the young boy who is Abdullah ibn Abbas. And then that young man from the Ansar, he said that he passed by Abdullah ibn Abbas in Ta'if when he was teaching the people, the people had gathered to listen to him and many of the Sahaba had passed away and Abdullah ibn Abbas was there teaching the people in Ta'if radiallahu an. And at that time, that young Ansari, he, he realized the value of all the effort that Abdullah ibn Abbas was putting in to learn and study. But one of the benefits we can take from this story is the investment the Prophet placed in Abdullah ibn Abbas to teach him and educate him, even though he's a young boy. Because we, he, now the, the Prophet his job is to convey, to convey the message. And he realizes that one of the most important aspects of conveying that message is going to be the young people because they are the ones who are going to hear from the Prophet and and live for a long time to be able to convey that message directly. As Abdullah ibn Abbas did when many of the Sahaba had passed away and he continued to narrate the hadith directly from the Prophet that he had heard. So this tarbiyah shows you the, the value of investing in the tarbiyah of our children, the young children. They are the ones who are going to represent us and convey from us when we have passed away and they're the ones who are going to continue, inshallah, that righteousness and the uh, and the lessons of Islam and teaching it to their children and their children. And that's the sadaqah jariyah that you want from your offspring. That's, the, that's what you want from your offspring. And that's why uh, we ask or we find in the hadith uh, that when a person dies, all of their deeds cease except for three. And we mentioned, a righteous child that makes dua, for them, and, so, uh, and we mentioned ilmun uh, and knowledge that is benefited from. We mentioned sadaqatun jariyah, a continuous charity. So all of these things can come together in the tarbiyah of a child. A tarbiyah of a child can be sadaqah jariyah, can be a continuous charity. So people continue to benefit and offspring upon more and more their children and their children and they keep on benefiting from the lessons you gave. It can be knowledge that benefits and, and continues after you pass away and it can be a righteous child that makes dua for you. And some of the scholars expanded that statement, a righteous child that makes dua for him, to include even the students of the teacher, because he is like a father figure to them. And so they make dua for him, like the child would make dua for the father. So all of this is, it shows you the value of tarbiyah and giving attention to the young kids. And it shows you the error of those people who say that don't, don't give attention to the children. That, you know, for example, they say to the Islamic teachers, why are you giving your attention to these little kids? Anyone can teach the kids. Anyone can teach the small children. This is not the prophetic methodology of tarbiyah. The prophetic methodology of tarbiyah is to focus upon all the different components in the society, but to give that time to the young children and to give time to educate the young children. So Ibn Abbas narrates that the Prophet ﷺ, he was riding behind him and the Prophet ﷺ turned to him and he said, فَقَالَ يَا غُلَامٌ 
He said, oh young man, inni u'allimuka kalimat. I'm going to teach you some words. The scholars of Tarbiyah, they take from this, that from the etiquettes, the uslub of Tarbiyah, from the means in which you can give Tarbiyah and the etiquettes you can use, is to tell the child that I'm going to tell you something important. I'm now going to tell you something important. So that Ibn Abbas was ready to memorize it and to understand it and to implement it. The Prophet said to him these words. He said to him, He said, Ihfad is a command from Al-Hifth. And Hifth meaning to preserve, to protect, to guard, uh, to keep safe and so on. So how does this command work? Ihfadillah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ghaniyul hamid. He doesn't need anyone and he is in he is worthy of all praise. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need anyone. So how do you implement this command? Ihfadillah. Meaning God everything that Allah has commanded you to God. God the commands of Allah. God the limits of Allah. Like the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal Hafidhu ala salawati was salati wusta. Guard your prayers, especially the middle prayer, especially the middle prayer, the Asr prayer, and stand in silent obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, Ihfadillah, guard all those things that Allah commanded you to guard. Guard the rights of Allah, guard the limits, the hudud of Allah Azza wa Jal. Uh, be careful to, to stick to the things that Allah has commanded you to stick to like the prayers and if you guard those commands and those limits of Allah then the reward will come that will be similar of a similar nature to the action that you did Allah will guard you you guard Allah's commands you're careful to follow them you guard your prayers, you guard the limits, you stay within the limits set by Allah, you guard all of those things and Allah Azza wa Jal will guard you and protect you. Guard again, guard the commands of Allah, the rights of Allah, the obligations of Allah that Allah has put, the limits that Allah has put for you and you will find Allah to be in front of you. You'll be upon the sirat al-mustaqim, the straight path. And the destination you will reach, you will reach that destination that you wish for, that destination of paradise. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide you upon his straight path until you reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you reach what is with Allah from his paradise and his reward. And then he taught him, if you ask, then ask Allah. And this is a wonderful uh, advice that relates both to an act of worship and even you can relate it to the mu'amalat with the people, the way you deal with the people. As for the acts of worship, then it is to make all of your dua and your isti'ana, all of your seeking help to be from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ اللَّهِ If you are going to ask, then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is, in those things which only Allah Azza wa Jal can do. As for asking a person 
who is alive and in front of you to do something that they are able to do, like asking the person to help you with something. Could you help me lift this? Could you help me uh, do this? Then this is not forbidden. But the more you avoid it, the better. And that's why we can even expand this statement of the Prophet ﷺ to cover even the matters of where it's not forbidden for you to ask someone, but it's not good for you. It's not healthy for you to ask people like that. But the main meaning here, that if you make dua, make dua to Allah. If you seek help, seek help from Allah. If you ask, ask Allah. And if you seek help, seek help from Allah. And here, like we said, that it contains dua to Allah alone and that isti'ana is for Allah alone. But it also contains that, that concept of self-reliance that we have in Islam, which really we shouldn't call it self-reliance. We should call it trusting in Allah and then trying to do as much yourself as you can. And that's a principle in Islam. And it's something the Prophet taught strictly to the Sahaba that you put your trust in Allah and you try to do, you try to, to do as much yourself as you can and not to ask other people. Even though the primary meaning of this is the Prophet is indicating to him at Tawheed, calling upon Allah alone. Seeking help from Allah Azza wa Jal alone. If you ask, then ask Allah. And if you seek help, then seek help from Allah. And how many people fell into shirk billahi Azza wa Jal because of this? So many. In fact, if you look at the Muslim Ummah, the majority of the issues in the Muslim Ummah of people falling into a shirkiyat, actions of shirk and polytheism, it happened through this because they didn't ask Allah alone and so they took to making dua to other than Allah as a means of reaching Allah and they didn't seek help from Allah alone so they sought help from the things which Allah had not permitted them to seek help from. So this really is, is a vital lesson for every Muslim and it's a vital part of the tarbiyah that the Prophet is giving him a tarbiyah in terms of at-tawheed If you ask then ask Allah and if you seek help then seek help from Allah and also tarbiyah in terms of his akhlaq and mu'amalat with the people that when you deal with the people don't be from the people who is always asking don't be from the people who has your hand out to the people when you want something go and ask what you want from Allah and that has an aspect of the ibadat which is at-tawheed and it also has an aspect of the Mu'amalat, the actions and the dealings with people and that is that a person tries to avoid and keep away from what is in the hands of the people and to put their trust and their reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he taught Abdullah ibn Abbas وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةَ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ أَلَا أَنْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ and know that if the whole ummah came together to benefit you with something, they wouldn't be able to benefit you with something except that Allah had written it for you. وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَضُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَضُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ And if they all gathered together to harm you with something, they wouldn't be able to harm you except with something that Allah had written against you. رُفِعَتِ الْأَقْلَامِ وَجَفَّتِ الصُّحُفِ the pens have been raised and the scrolls have become dried. The hadith is narrated by a Tirmidhi 
rahimahullah ta'ala in his jami'. But here we see the Prophet teaching Abdullah ibn Abbas the practical essence of the belief in Al-Qadr wal-Qadha. Practically, understand that if everybody comes to benefit you with something, they're not going to be able to benefit you with something except if Allah has written that for you. And if they come to harm you with something, they won't be able to harm you except with something that Allah has written against you. Look at how the Prophet is preparing Ibn Abbas for the things that he's going to go through in his life and the difficulties that he might experience in his lifetime. And the fact that he puts his trust in Allah, he asks Allah, he turns to Allah and he seeks the help of Allah and he doesn't concern himself with the people either in benefit or in harm and he detaches his heart from the people and attaches his heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so there are lessons in this that are both practical in terms of Islam and Tawheed and Ibadat and there are also lessons in terms of how you deal with the people and how you behave towards the people and there are narrations in other than a Tirmidhi in other than Jami' Tirmidhi in which the Prophet said to Ibn Abbas tajidhu amamak Guard the rights of Allah, you'll find Allah in front of you. Come to know Allah when things are easy and Allah will know you when things are hard. SubhanAllah, look at the benefit that he's giving to Abdullah ibn Abbas, both in terms of worship and in terms of living your life and just preparing him to, to survive in the world. That know Allah when things are easy and Allah will know you when things are difficult. In other words, if you take to worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal and being firm upon that worship. When things are easy for you, Allah will be there for you when things are difficult for you. So he taught him that you're going to experience difficulties. You're going to experience troubles. Don't seek benefit from people. Don't, seek, don't worry about harm from people. And make sure that when things are easy for you and you're in a situation of ease, that you turn to Allah. And then if you do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be there for you when things are difficult. And the Prophet continued his advice. He said, He said, no, that whatever missed you was never gonna hit you, was never gonna befall you. And whatever has befallen you was never going to miss you. And that's another, a different wording of the same concept that the people, if they gathered together, they wouldn't be able to benefit you with something except what Allah had written for you. Know that whatever happens to you was never going to miss you. Whatever missed you was never going to happen to you. And that gives a person, it gives them confidence in themselves and it gives them trust and reliance upon Allah. Imagine how settled your heart feels when you understand this concept. You just feel completely and utterly settled and completely and utterly at peace with yourself. That I know that what is going to happen to me, I'm going to go out and try my best. I'm going to go out and strive and struggle and work and try to find the means to get near to Allah and find the means to benefit myself in this world and in the hereafter. But if something happens to me, I know that there was no way I could have escaped except to try my best, put my trust in Allah and then trust that whatever Allah has decreed for me, that is what is going to be the right opportunity for me. And whatever missed me, or whatever, whatever didn't happen to me, I'm not going to start wasting my time in this dunya and using up these vital breaths that are the, you know, the, the, the ra'as al-ma, they are your capital that you trade with in this dunya. Those, 
limited number of breaths that you have before you die. SubhanAllah, I'm not going to waste that time by worrying about what didn't happen to me. Oh, I should have, what would have happened if only I had got this job? If only I could have done that? If only I would have been able to do this? If only I could have had that? If only this would have happened? If only I didn't go there and if only I hadn't done this? All of these words of low and if only and how I wish and how I would and I could have and I should have. None of this is teaching to Ibn Abbas. Don't waste your time in this. Whatever, do your best, work hard. Whatever happened to you was never going to miss you and whatever missed you was never going to happen to you. And know that victory comes with patience. If you want to be victorious, and a nasr usually it means victory over your enemies. And general victory, you know, the victory, when the victory of Allah comes and the conquest, that victory, it comes with a sabr, comes with patience. He's teaching him the value of sabr. Like Luqman taught his son the value of sabr. Waspir ala ma Be patient what, what afflicts you and what happens to you. Know that victory, victory comes with patience. When you bring patience, Allah gives you victory. And when you have hardships and calamities, relief from those hardships and calamities comes along with it. Meaning if you're going to have a hardship, relief is not far away. Understand you go through a hardship, you go through troubles, relief is, is not far away. Relief comes along with it. And along with hardship comes ease. Along with difficulty comes ease. So whenever something is difficult for you, know that it won't be long, inshallah, before something easy will happen to you. Before ease, Allah will make things easy for you. These are life lessons. And this is why when we said that tarbiyah is about preparing your children for their life ahead, this is, this is the, the meaning of the word tarbiyah. Preparing your children and preparing the young people around you and educating them and giving them the knowledge and the lessons they need that they're going to need as they grow older and as they live their life and after you pass away and they continue on that job and th that responsibility that you have given them and they pass on that knowledge and they continue to make dua for you that ultimately they need these life lessons. And what a beautiful set of life lessons this is, that victory comes with patience. And that along with hardships and calamities, there's relief. Every time you're in a hardship or calamity, remember, relief is not far away. Don't despair of the reef. Don't despair that Allah Azawajal will never, or don't despair that Allah of the relief from Allah Azawajal. Nobody despairs that Allah will relieve them from their calamities except for the disbelieving people. As for the Muslim, they never despair because they know that no matter how bad the calamity is there, Allah will send them a relief. Allah will give them the relief from that calamity. And a person knows that when things are difficult, there will come a time when things will be easy. Look at the seerah of the Prophet Let your children learn from that seerah and learn from the biographies of the companions, the difficulties they went through. And ultimately, Allah brought back and brought it back to ease. And an example of that, like we mentioned, the, the, the surah, surah al-Nasr, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ When the victory of Allah comes and the conquest, and you see the people coming to Islam in crowds. This is an example. Look at the hardships the Prophet went through. 23 years of hardship upon hardship. And yet Allah Azza wa Jal, every time there was a hardship, Allah brought ease. 
Allah brought ease until in the end Allah brought the people into Islam in crowds. So he's teaching Ibn Abbas these life lessons and preparing him in this way for the future things that he will experience, the future difficulties uh, that he will experience and also how to go on through his life. And like we said, whenever we're talking about the worldly things, we're talking about them in the light of Islam. What will make Allah pleased with you? I mean, for example, poverty is a worldly thing. Being poor or being rich, it's a worldly thing. But how do you handle that in a way that is pleasing to Allah? That's when we talk about tarbiyah in the worldly matters. We're talking about tarbiyah in a way that brings you near to Allah in response to the things that you experience uh, in your life. So I'm going to conclude this episode here, inshallah ta'ala. We're going to go on to talk about principles in tarbiyah. So we're going to look at some ayat and ahadith, inshallah, that are usul principles as it relates to tarbiyah. Things you have to remember when you're trying to nurture and raise your children, insha'Allah ta'ala. I'm gonna continue on to give examples of that, insha'Allah, when you talk about educating your children in terms of Islam and how you educate your children in terms of the worldly life. Insha'Allah, all of that is gonna come up in this course on the Muslim family brought to you by Al-Madrasatul Umariya. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention and Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum. If you're enjoying these videos and you'd like to keep up to date with all of the courses we're going to be running, make sure you head over to amauathome.com.